Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. This is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis focus. And I'm saying Memphis focus, but I have a guest to our amazing city here at Chuckles Comedy House for the weekend. I am talking about Alfred Kainga. How are you, Alfred? Oh my gosh, I am so good. Double E. Yes. (laughs) We in the building. And I am sitting next to the comedian extraordinaire visiting us. Oh, you're fine too kind here in the m town and i know you've been here this is your third time in memphis this is my third time in memphis i'm, I'm getting to like memphis now you know i'm getting to consider memphis as a uh, second home of sorts wow. right yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool look uh the advice you've been getting because we uh did interview on iheart's v101 is be careful be when careful. you hit the city what did you experience that last night at your show mm, not once Ooh, no but be I, careful no be careful but there was some uh there was some interesting individuals in the house Where yeah tell me more <laughs> uh first show was really really funny uh, there was a lady in the audience, right? And you could tell she, you know, she was gangster with it because she let you know she had that <laughs> thick, hoarse voice. And she was mm-hmm. like, don't play with me, boy, because I was, mm. you know, messing with her. And I said, yeah, you are the one they told me to be careful Ooh, about it. And she, she was a be careful. She was loving it. Yeah, she was like, go teeth. I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Memphis. That's Memphis right there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. Can we cuss on this? Uh, yes, you can cuss. Okay, because I wanted to make sure. Because <laughs> she taught me a phrase yesterday that mm-hmm. I had never heard. What well, I kind of heard it before, but the way she did it was was crazy. Okay. So I'm, I'm talking about this joke, and uh, next thing you know, she was like, fuck you, man. And I was that's like, Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're saying it. Yeah. That's, that's what everybody said. I said, wait a minute. That statement to me sounds like it should have more words. And they're like, what the fuck do you mean? But nope, not in Memphis. Tonight it's fuck you mean. And you fuck know, you mean. <laughs> that's, that's real Memphis. Yeah, I, said, I said, let me write that down. I'm taking that with me. Oh, it looked like you got some schooling, some Memphis schooling I last sure night. I sure did. I sure did. Wow. And, and And then today we went out and we had brunch. Mm. We went to, um, uh, what is it called? The Mahogany? Mahogany, yep. That was dope. Uh, yesterday I had Gus Chicken. Look at you getting dope. all the good food. And then we had lunch. Well, I'm, I'm, I done gained 25 pounds. I'm a big boy already, but I have gained That's what 25 pounds. when you come to Memphis. Yeah. No barbecue? We did. Cozy, Cozy Corner. Cozy Corner. Yes. What? Okay, see, you have found all the Memphis jewels. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted. I, I don't want to come into a city okay. and eat something that I know I can eat back home in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want no Burger King, McDonald's. I want what Memphis... Memphians eat whenever they're out Memphians. Is that Memphians? It's Memphians? Memphians. Okay, because Memphians would be something that lives in the water. Yeah. <laughs> An amphibian. Oh, that is hilarious. Okay, I got you. I got you. And like you mentioned, 
go home like when you're in at home in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So you live in Dallas. I live in Dallas. When did you move to Dallas? When did you move to the states? Because I know you're from Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah, originally from Zimbabwe, Africa. I moved to the states in 2000. In 2000. 2000. What made yeah. you move from Zimbabwe to the United Man, States? Man, my mother your made mother. me move. She said, "Get your ass out of here. Mm. Go make something of yourself." And at that time, um, I was heavily into into music, so I mm-hmm. play music. I play keyboard and I sing. Okay. Right. Ooh. So yeah, that was that was what I was really intending to do. But mm-hmm. my music was going to be primarily. African gospel music. African gospel. Because, yeah, you yeah. know, you hear so much about the Afro beats right now. That was, I hardly ever hear African gospel. Yeah, African gospel. My grandfather was a was a preacher. I grew up in the church, and I was mm-hmm. playing in the praise and worship team. So that's, that's where my heart was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the biggest uh, African gospel producing country in Africa is South Africa. Because mm-hmm. at that time they had all the major record labels. They had Universal. They had Sony. So I was trying to go down to South Africa and get signed. Mm-hmm. And that's where my heart was. Okay. My mother was like, hell to the no. Your mom was like, hell to the no. She said, you're going to college. You're going to school. You, you know, know as you parents have, yeah. you know how the parents do. Especially the African parents. Ooh, boy. Tell me about an African parent. <laughs> tell me about, you know, the culture of an African parent. The culture of an African parent is... Uh, yeah, you can get rich in other ways, but the main thing that's going to take you out of poverty, they always believe, is education. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a nurse, a doctor, uh, some sort of scientist. You're going to do those mm-hmm. type of things, right? And so that's what my mother was pushing me to do. And, you know, at that point, you know, you're young, you have to oblige. Um, I said for my SAT exams, I aced them. And mm. next thing you know, got a college, um, you know, uh, place yeah, in in, uh, in Dallas. And she knew some 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 friends of hers who lived in Texas. So they encouraged her to send me over to Texas, mm-hmm. you know, and to be closer to people that we knew. And how old were you? Were you? 19 years old. Because I took a year off after high school. I wanted to work. I, I wanted to get into my music. That's mm-hmm. what I was doing. So at 19, she's like, nah, you got to go. You mm-hmm. got to go. But wow. as I was growing up, though, uh, I was very comedic. You know, in school, I was like the class clown. Not school clown, but not class clown, but school clown. The like, school. You entertained everyone. Everybody, including the teachers. Include, mm. You know what I mean? So that was me at school. At home, choir church boy. In front of mama and daddy. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> That's how we do, though. That is how we do. Yeah, yeah. So I just knew, I felt at that time that, well, you know, me getting on the plane, going to America, my music career was done. Because mm. where was I going to be singing my African gospel music at? Because I wasn't singing in English. I was singing in my in my native tongue, which is Shona. Give me Shona. a little bit. Let me hear a little some song. Not right now. You're putting oh, me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like your voice is so distinct. Yeah. I, I, now that you said that you were a singer, I, I can hear it in you your voice. Yeah. 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 I'm going to get you to sing me a little tone or all something right, on all this right, podcast right. well, before I, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so at home... Are you still deeply rooted to African gospel or absolutely? Okay, absolutely. I play, I, I play my my instrument every day. I, I got a, I got a keyboard, you know, mm-hmm. in my house. I play. I record. You know, I play around with you know self recording myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have over fifty songs written. 
Wow. Yeah, that I just need to, one day I keep telling myself I'm going to get into the studio and record. Not Alfred. Yeah. What are we waiting on? We're waiting on this comedy special, okay? Ah! We're waiting on this Netflix, okay? Okay, I feel you. I feel you. Now, before we jump into the entire comedy space, yeah. I'm going to back up a little bit to 2000 when you moved to the United States. Mm-hmm. Was it a culture shock for you? On some parts it was. So you got to understand that um, the Africa that I grew up in, in Zimbabwe, we were colonized by the British, Mm -hmm. right? So, but we grew up um, exposed to British media and American media. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my favorite band growing up, or my favorite group, was Wu Tang Clan. Okay, you know, uh, the first time I was exposed to an American act was the Lost Boys came to Zimbabwe. I think it was ninety five, ninety six. Oh, yeah? I was about fifteen, sixteen years mm, old. You was loving it. What? It was mm-hmm. wild. You know, it so was different. It was different. So, but we grew up listening to that hip hop culture. We grew up watching those videos. So, my goodness, we wanted to dress American. We wanted to mm-hmm. talk American. We wanted, to, you know. We wanted to consume that American culture so much. So the shock was mostly when I finally arrived here and I'm like, wait a minute. Everybody's <laughs> not an actor. Oh, that's Everybody's not a rapper. I mean, yeah. Because yes. that's what we were fed, right? And that's what's being pushed out there probably outside of the domestic states. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we'll get into this because, you know, the, the narrative that the media was pushing for us in Africa was, you know, uh, the, the black... American culture is nothing but, you know, drug dealers, you know, strippers, heavily, you know, nothing educational, right? So that's why I'm telling you that we thought everybody was a an artist or an athlete, <laughs> right. right? Or either you in, you know, in the drug world or something like that, mm-hmm. which was so horrible because they knew what they were doing by pushing that type of narrative. Mm-hmm. Then when I arrived here, my college friends that I became good buddies with, they letting me know that when they grew up, what they knew of Africa was, you know, the butt naked <laughs> African yes. running around in the Poverty, bush. Poverty, what we saw Poverty. in those commercials, yes. asking for money. Yes. Mm-hmm. So guess what that did? You know, psychologically, that put a divide between a people. Because now the African is like, oh, I don't want to be associated with a black American person who's only on drugs and selling drugs mm-hmm. and killing each other. And now the black American person is like, I don't want to be associated with that poverty shit, you know, mm-hmm. until... You, more of us started coming over here and more African-American people started going to Africa. Like, wait a minute, we we have been lied to for such a long time. You know, we are no different. And some of the most educated African-Americans are... A lot of them out here, mm-hmm. professionals, hardworking, blue collar, white collar, you name it. Yes. So that really, that was the culture shock for me. Mm. That's what it was. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, some of those same, I guess, uh, generalizations and um, things that the media put out there, they still exist today. Without a doubt. But we have the internet now. Yeah. I think the internet has you know, saved us from some of those generalizations and some of those misconceptions because now we can see whatever is going on globally. Yeah. And we can go to these places because a long time ago, what, maybe 2000 prior to that, we weren't traveling like we're traveling. People were not traveling, especially black Americans were not traveling, Mm -hmm. but now they are and they're getting to Mm -hmm. see the world. Like my goodness, man, I have friends who've gone to Ghana, Mm -hmm. Nigeria, and they come back like, dude, I did not want to come back Mm -hmm. this side. You know, I felt so much at peace, free and at home. 
Yes. You know, yes. So. That's on my bucket list to come and visit Africa. Um, go. Tell me what is your favorite country in Africa that you've been to other than Zimbabwe? Other than Zimbabwe. My gosh, Uganda is amazing. Uganda. Yes. Tell Uganda is Uganda. a uh, man. The, the, the people, the vibes, Uganda. Uh, they they just love to party. They're free. <laughs> you know, they love to party and their food is amazing. Mm. So you're going to enjoy the food anywhere you go in Africa, right? Because we we eating a lot of organic, you know, food. It's not processed. It's not heavily, mm-hmm. you know, chemicalized, right? So it, it, the air you breathe in Africa is going to be free. Yes. But the landscapes are so different. So, mm-hmm. you know, what you see in, in Zimbabwe is going to be different with the climate that you see in Uganda or you cross over to Nigeria. So um, I've been to what? Maybe seven African countries, but mm. there's 50 plus, right? Yes. So I want to see more because yes. it's like, dude, there's so much to learn of our continent. Yes. It's amazing. Now, now, you know, when we travel to other countries, other countries have different rules. Um, are there very strict rules when you go to coming from America to Africa? And are there heavy military presences like... What does that look like? Okay, there are some countries where you will definitely see, you know, the the military all over the place, but that's not everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You're actually more free in Africa. Mm -hmm. I think there's more rules here. That's for sure. Because I remember going to the club for the first time in my life in America, and the club is closing at 2 o'clock. They're talking about, you know, last call at 1.50. I'm like, what are you talking about last call at 1.50? One fifty. Yeah, back home you live in the club at six a.m. You're walking out and mm-hmm. you're going straight to a breakfast joint. It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's more free in 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 Africa. I really really do believe that. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I actually have some family that have moved. I'm trying to think of the country exactly, um, but they've moved to Africa and they're trying to encourage all of us to go to Africa mm-hmm. to start our lives over. Do yeah. you see a lot of that? I do. I do. In in Nigeria now, there's a large African-American community, same as in Ghana, as well as in Ethiopia. Now, I'll tell you this. There's about five, six countries now that are offering um, citizenship to any African-American person who, who wants it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can literally today, you know, you can get up and say, I want to go to Zimbabwe. As soon as you land, you want to say, hey, I want to declare I want to be a, a Zimbabwe. They will give you your citizenship. So now you have dual. Day of. Day off. Wow. On arrival. Mm. Right. They say come. They encouraging people to come back home because this 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 is where your roots are. Now you have the opportunity to have two passports. You're, you're American and you're also um, a citizen of an African country. Wow. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because I'll tell you this, a lot of these European people, they, they have that. They mm-hmm. go back to Ireland, England, you know, mm-hmm. Germany, and they get their, their, their citizenship from their heritage too. Mm-hmm. So why can't the black person do that? I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and listening to your accent, I'm like, am I hearing a Zimbabwe accent or am I I'm hearing a British accent? Because you did say <laughs> that Zimbabwe was uh, colonized by the Europeans. By the British, yeah. But a lot of African people that I meet have British accents. Yeah. That's, I hear a little Brit. That's what it is, you know. That uh, is what it is. Well, that's what I'm listening to. The, the high school that I went to <laughs> was called Prince Edward High School. So that lets you know. Yeah. Who's Prince Edward? He's the Prince of freaking Wales, mm-hmm. the Prince of England, right? Mm-hmm. So the faculty, most of the teachers, they were expatriates from the UK. Mm-hmm. They were British. So, you know, that's the environment that we were in. Yeah. And it looks like we may have a changing of the guard with the King of England. Well, super fast, too, huh? It's going to happen. 
It's going to happen. They just uh, told us that uh, he has cancer. He has cancer. Yeah. And the sons are there in tow, ready to. Yeah, to take over. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be William. That's a, such a quick transition, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. that queen was queen for what, 365 years? Man. Yeah. Since she was a younger. Young, yeah. yeah. And then now she's gone, and this dude right here. Because yeah. you could tell, though, I, I remember when he was inaugurated, his hands were super swollen. I remember mm-hmm. looking at that like, wow, something's wrong with this with this dude right here. Man, he been waiting on his mama to Yeah, and he ain't even going to enjoy it. <laughs> he has not been able to enjoy it, but he did get his girl up in there. He sure did. He C- got his boo C- up Camilla. in there. He yeah. got Camilla up in that yeah. thing. Yeah. So much drama, but I have been so fascinated about, you know, their history and, you know, what people seem to think that is royal Mm -hmm. and just the horrid past. Oh, my God. Everything they've done. Colonizer to, to the world. The moment you put the title colonizer on somebody, mm-hmm. there is nothing good that comes with that title. True. Okay, for you to take over somebody's land and just drive them off, it's not done amicably. Mm-hmm. You, you, somebody is dying. Mm-hmm. Okay, some blood is being spilled. All right, yes. some families are being broken. You know, it's atrocities are, are taking place. The Belgians did it. The Germans did it. The British did it. And the French did it. And they, to a certain extent, they're still doing it right now. Yes. You know, causing all these conflicts that you hear is because of the natural resources that we mm-hmm. have in Africa. They want that so bad mm-hmm. that they will do anything. I mean, if it means exterminating a whole tribe. That is so sad. They will do it because they have done it before. Do you think that will ever change? Oh, there's a day of reckoning that will come. For when is, sure. is it coming in our lifetime? It, it may. Mm-hmm. It may. But uh, it's coming because a lot of people are waking up now mm-hmm. to say, wait a minute, we, we got to take our stand. This cannot go on forever. Yes. Yeah. And are the, are the elders, are they saying the same thing or have they been acclimated to the colonization some of them have been uh compromised mm. some of them are on the payroll of the of the colonizers okay. you know what i'm saying yes, so and every time one stands up and say no we can't have this a check is cut quick mm. terminated you know so but i believe i strongly believe that a day of reckoning will come I hope so. Yeah, because we where we will all take our rightful place. Not only in Africa, which which has been the most abused country, I would say, for our people, but here too. Like there's so many people waking yeah. up here, yeah. and have been held down for so long. Yeah, all over the world, it's is the natives that have always suffered. We are natives, right? We are children of the soil. Mm-hmm. We are the original people. So I can get deeper in there. You know what I'm saying? I love it. I love it. it. So we've been we've been disparaged for a long time. So, yeah, whether we're in the States or in Africa or wherever we are, Mm -hmm. you know, we we deserve this, you know, because the the creator told us that we have been created for dominion over the earth. Mm -hmm. Right. Then another character came up and said, no. Y'all ain't going to get this. We going to get it. Like, but who are you mm-hmm. to tell us, the children of God, that we can't have this? Yeah. And so took it by force. Exactly. We getting it back, though. We getting it back. Are you interested in moving back to Africa? Or <sighs> are you are you settled in the States? You know, um, it, it's crazy that you asked me that question. I just came back home uh, in December. I was mm-hmm. there for the whole of December. I hadn't been back home uh, for five years. When I first moved here, I was young. I was like, man... 
Deuces, I'm out, man. America's gonna be my home. I'm not coming I'm back. I'm not coming back, right? But that was 20 years go by, and 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 I started thinking. Now I'm like, yeah, I would love to settle back home, you know, and retire and 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 have a home where you know I can I can move around. At least I know. I have somewhere to land when I get there. And if I want to live there for six months, I can. If I want to come and live in the States for six months, I can. Yeah. You know, I, I want to have that choice mm-hmm. of being able to move around and do that. But yeah, yes. definitely, um, I'm setting up some some roots back home. Okay. Yeah. Now let's jump into comedy. <laughs> now, I want to know, how did you get into comedy? I, I, know, I know I heard you say that you were very funny mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. You made everybody laugh. Yeah. School clown. <laughs> Got whooped for it too while we were Got in school. For it. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't like that in school. And it's funny, is that the same jokes that I was cracking up uh <laughs> in school now I'm I'm making a living out of that. Making yeah. some money <laughs> from it. How did you get into the comedy space? So when I moved to the States, um Back home, I used to watch a lot of sitcoms, right? You know, Martin, uh, uh, Sanford and Son, you Mm -hmm. know, Friends, you know, all those sitcoms. I had no idea that most of those characters started up as stand-up comedians, Mm -hmm. right? So I get here. I'm in Texas. I'm in college. I'm meeting friends and, you know, and and I'm, I'm making people laugh. I'm just being me. You know, and uh, one of my friends was like, dude, you, you got to try stand up comedy because you are funny. You'll probably be good at it. And I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing that I did is I went to um, a company called the movie trading company. It's like a like a DVD resale store. Mm-hmm. And I found all the DVDs on stand up comedy that I could find, you know, all the dev comedy jam you all were doing the your homework yeah, i bought all of them you know <laughs> i was doing my homework and i started watching them and i was blown away i'm like wow uh eddie murphy mm-hmm. i thought he was just a movie star had no wow. clue he was a stand-up comedian oh, you didn't know no clue mm. I, I knew richard Pryor was mm-hmm. a stand-up comedian and they like to get nasty oh my gosh yeah. that's what introduced <laughs> me to comedy right all the nasty ass <laughs> comedians red fox and and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All them guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was watching that. I, I watched so much stand-up comedy, but it took me four years before I ever got on stage because I wanted to understand the the American culture, what makes people really laugh here, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was learning. I was doing my studies, and I started going to live comedy shows. And the first time I, I was at a live comedy show, I, was, I saw Mark Curry, you know, hanging yes. with Mr. Cooper uh, at the improv. And I was blown away because I knew this guy from the sitcom. Mm-hmm. And he was funny for a whole hour. I mean, hilariously funny. He's from funny. A, you He's know. naturally funny, yeah. He is. And so right after that, I said, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to try and do this. So I finally mustered up the confidence to call a comedy club in the city. And I, I said, I heard you guys do open mic. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to come out and do and do my show. And they said, okay, um, yeah. So every comedian gets three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was I was offended. Because you know, it said, was three minutes. I said, three minutes? Mm-hmm. I said, man, I'm funny. He said, oh, you are? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, so how many minutes you got? I said, 30. Mm. He said, son. Have you ever done stand-up comedy? 
<laughs> he want to go a whole 30. Yeah. I said, no, but my friends tell me that I'm hilarious. He said, listen, man, mm-hmm. you're going to come out here and you're going to do three minutes. And let's see how you do. Let's see how you do. I said, bet. That whole week, I was practicing my set. I wrote my little jokes down mm-hmm. and, and I would put my clock, you know, on, on, the, on the counter and I would time myself mm-hmm. and I will start speaking, you know, by myself and I'm doing my act. Three minutes. Bam. That's a good set. I practice again. Three minutes. Man, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. The following week, I go to my open mic. I sign up. And they finally called my name to get on stage. I went up there and I did the same exact set that I've been practicing all week. Three minutes. Mm-hmm. Brrr, I did my shit. Got a couple of laughs. Got some claps. Thank you. Good night. I'll mm-hmm. see you later. I got off stage. I was a Pumped up. I went back to stage. Yeah. I looked at the man and said, hey, man, how did I do? He said, how'd you do? Well, you still got two more minutes left on the clock. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) What happened, Alfred? (laughs) That's when I knew I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. There's timing. There's a setup. There's Mm -hmm. a punchline. So I was like, yeah, I do not have 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I was lying to myself. But the bug had caught on. I loved it. I went back again the following week. Next thing you know, I'm doing it on regular. Mm -hmm. Three minutes turned into five. Five turned into ten. And next thing you know, a comedy club gave me um, um, an opportunity to host a show. You know, And I think the first time I hosted was for Phase on Love. Mm -hmm. And killed it. It was amazing. So now I knew. I'm a true comedian. I got my first check and I was like, okay. You got your first check. First check. But this was five years after starting. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't get no shows or, you know, for five years. I was just mm. grinding it out, doing open mic. Because you don't have material in the next in the first two, three years. You don't. Yeah, you have to you develop know? your point of view. Absolutely. You you need to know who you are, create mm-hmm. your own comedic voice. And I had to learn all these things. And I wanted to be good at it. And so I, I really involved myself in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I guess I would say the, the rest is still history that's in the making. Yes. And how long have you been doing this? 18 years. Now. That's a long time. Yeah. That is a very years. long time. And um, one of the things that I spoke with some other comedians a couple of weeks ago about on the podcast are the inequities with pay in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot to say about that. Now, you just told me your first five years. You know, yeah, you were developing yourself, no money. How is the money looking today, 18 years later? 18 years later, the money is looking good. I'm, okay. I'm grateful and um, it's, it's looking good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy. And I know it's just going to get bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I'm under an agency now, you okay. know. I, I also have a manager now, you know, things okay. that I never thought I would be talking about mm-hmm. 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm making a living. Yes. You know, I'm making a living and it's um it's something that I just uh it blows me away. Mm-hmm. But um I know that um I still got a long way to go. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, we still rolling up. We're still rolling. Okay. We're still rolling up and I can edit as right. needed. Okay. So let me ask you this. What changes when you get that manager? What changes when you get up under that agency? That agency. My goodness. They 
especially the agents that I'm I'm in. Okay, so can I tell you the story of how I got the agency yes. first? So <laughs> all these years, I've been basically self-booking. Me and my buddy, my he became my manager. We would pick up the phone and call the comedy clubs by ourselves. Call any promoter we could find. Hey, man, we're going to send you a clip. Look at our clip. Tell us what you think. You know, um, book me. You know, give me a night. Mm -hmm. You know, give me a weekend. We'll take the bare minimum. Just let us in your club. Let's see what we can do. And we were getting them. You know, some of them, you know, not so great. Some of them, okay. And um, then um, been doing a lot of features. Like I got on, I got on TV with Kevin Hart a few years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, Comedy Central, and that helped a lot. That helped to boost my profile. So me and now and the manager now we got something to show. Like, mm -hmm. look, man, I've been endorsed by one of the biggest superstars in comedy. Take a look at what I got. You know, book me. And uh, from there, many other shows that, that that came about. Then a year last year. Uh, there was a big competition that came about called the Breakout Comedian of the Year. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be hosted by DC Young Fly, uh, the African Black Film Festival, was putting it together. Shout out to uh, Jeff Friday and his wife. There's some amazing, amazing people. And so they went across the country. They said, we need submissions from all the comedians. You know, you're going to win a 20,000 grand prize. And also you're going to get signed by an agency in Hollywood if they, if they like you. So I submitted. And, you know, next thing you know, I got called up and we went to the quarterfinal rounds in L.A. There was 30 comedians. We duked it out. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, it came down to eight comedians and the finals were now in D.C. So mm. they flew us out to Washington, D.C. And I competed and in front of like 3,000 people. I won that competition. Congratulations. Thank you. This was last October. And right then I got signed by one of those agencies, you know. And this is an agency that I had been knowing for, for a long time because there was a guy that I was touring with by the name of Capone. He was signed by this agency. So mm -hmm. I knew the head of this agency. And I had actually talked to her mm -hmm. seven years ago mm. and said, hey, I want to be, you know, under your umbrella. And she mm -hmm. said, hey, Alfred, you're not ready yet. Oh, okay. But now so, we're ready. So now we're ready. So hey, seven years later, I got signed. And immediately, I don't have to pick up the phone anymore to call the clubs. This is what has happened now with the mm -hmm. agents. Now they're doing all the negotiations. Now they're calling me and saying, hey, you're going to be here on this date. You're going to be there. They're providing this. Da, da, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. So it's like, thank you, God. Life has changed as we know it. Yes. So now I'm working every weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm on the road. I'm I'm getting my stuff done. No more out there trying to get it out the mud. Yes, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> begging for it as much. You know. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Congratulations yeah. to you, Alfred. I'm Thank really you. happy to hear that for you awesome. because this is a tough industry, and I think that all of us have been exposed to a lot of things recently. With the Club Shay Shay interviews, because he's rolling with the comedians. Yeah, he is. So it was Cat Williams at first. Mm -hmm. Now it's Monique, mm -hmm. and they're talking a lot about the industry that we did not know about. Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts on these recent interviews? Is it needed? Was it needed? <sighs> I don't know if it was needed per se for the um, for the audience, mm -hmm. because you as the consumers of comedy. Ain't got nothing to do with that. Because we was like, what? Right, right. Wow, like, oh, yeah? Yeah, it was just some hot tea, some right? hot. But I don't tea. think it will sway people from who they like. 
mm-hmm. okay? Those who rock with Monique gonna continue rocking with Monique. They gonna go buy her tickets and go watch her. Mm-hmm. Those who rock with Cat Williams, same thing. Ricky Smiley, all those people who are mentioning all these things, their fan base is their fan base. And they have truly developed it. And they have truly developed it. And these are all OGs in the game. Mm-hmm. This is a way I go back to always say these are all OGs in the game. And I think to a certain extent, it, it, it was not necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you're just airing out all these grievances that you guys had that you can duke out in person mm-hmm. over the phone. Like, yeah. I don't need to know that you're beefing with uh, Michael Blackson, Man. <laughs> you know, or Kevin Hart, you know. But as 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 a ticket buying person, right? Are you gonna stop buying a Kevin Hart ticket because mm-hmm. you heard the negative things? No. If you love him, you're gonna go continue supporting him. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. So, but you know, these are comics who who wanted to to air out, you know, whatever opinions they had. But did you laugh? At what? At Cat Williams. I laughed at some things. I sure did. I sure did. I, I really did when he said, now here you are. You are a f- real African with a fake African accent. Yes. That shit was hilarious because I was like, yep, yep, yeah, I can I can see that. Talking about Michael Black. Yeah. yeah. He got on Michael Black. He got all of them. He got all of them. Yeah. With the yes. dirty dashiki. I was like, who? Thank goodness Ooh. I never wore one. You know? Oh, my. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Michael Blackston, do you mm. have a relationship with Michael no. Blackston? No, I don't. Why not? You guys are both in comedy. I know. Uh, listen, I, I am not on Club Shay Shay. Don't make me say some things. I'm going to call Club Shay Shay. I'm going to call Shannon. Let me call Shannon You try to make me say some things. No, I really am not. And I mm-hmm. don't have... Um, you know, I don't have no no issues with with, with the man. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got his own lane, and I'm covering my own. You yeah, know, that's all there is to it. And and I give him props. I'll be honest with you because I remember watching him on BUT Comic View back in the day and thinking to myself, "Wow, if this African brother can do it, this is mm-hmm. this is inspiring." You know, right? I a can lot do of it too. For yeah, for sure, it really was because he was the only reference that we had at that really? time. Really, was it? There was no other African comedian mm. who was breaking barriers in, in in the US. And why do you think that? Yet again, it goes back to Africans when they come overseas, they're coming for one thing and one thing only. Education. Education and working. That's mm. that's their focus. So Michael Blackson was raised in in Philadelphia. He came as a as a young boy, so he was more exposed to that American culture, right? Okay. So I think he came. He was about what, maybe five or six. I don't want to be incorrect, but he was very very young. Very young. Yeah, exactly. So that's why he was an exception. Whereas for me, I was also that exception because I came as a nineteen year old kid. Now I don't have my family in my neck and in my ear breathing mm-hmm. down upon me like yo you know school 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 I was now able to make decisions by myself yeah. and I said okay I'm gonna do this I really wanna do this yeah I got a little bit of friction but they were 10,000 miles away at this point mm-hmm. so they can't really sway me <laughs> now I'm do I'm my own man I'm gonna you make the cord, there you go there you go mm-hmm. and so that's um, that's why he for the longest was you know the only African comedian out there yeah I really believe that what does your community looks like um, for, I guess, um, comedians? Because, you know, in every industry, we have a community of people mm-hmm. that either mentor us, that, that help us out. What does that community and comedy look like for you? For me, I've had nothing but great mentors. I am here today as a comedian because of other comedians mm-hmm. who have put me in this place. 
This is the truth. Um, I can go back to the TV credit that I have on Comedy Central with Kevin Hart. I got it through another comedian by the name of Rudy Rush. Mm. Rudy Rush used to be uh, on Showtime at the Apollo. He was the host right after Steve Harvey. Mm -hmm. Rudy Rush hosted it for a couple of seasons. Um, I worked with him in Dallas. He had never seen me before, but he was blown away. And he kept talking about it on stage, like, whoa, that African nigga was funny as hell. You know, who the fuck was that African nigga? You know, so after the show, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm going to put you on some shows. We're going to work. And so we did some shows together. And sure enough, um, a year or two later, he's like, Alfred, keep grinding. You're doing good, man. There's some mm -hmm. people watching you. I'm like, yeah, right. I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he called me again. He said, listen. My boy Kevin got a show going on, and, and I sent him your stuff, and we're going to make sure you get on this show. Mm -hmm. And we got on that show. Wow. You know, and I got another brother by the name of Capone. He's the New York gangster of comedy. Mm -hmm. Capone came to Dallas. Um, I opened for him, and I flat out asked him. I said, hey, man, can I go on the road with you? And he said, no. He said, no. He said, you're not ready. A year later, he came back, and I featured for him, and he said, all right, Alfred, let's you go ready? on the road. I was on the road with him for three years, mm. and he introduced me to all these comedy clubs that I'm in today. Mm -hmm. His agent at that time is now my agent. That's wow. that lady I was talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So comedians have helped me. There's a brother by the name of Toure. My gosh, I can name a list. Toure is in Philadelphia. He calls me, and he says, because he had come to Dallas to do a show, and I featured for him, and he was like, dude, you're funny as fuck, right? He goes back to <laughs> Dallas. Some lady from the Caribbean islands was doing an international comedy festival, and they were looking for an African comedian. Immediately, Toure said, I got one. Mm. Dude from Dallas. Called me up, flew me to Philadelphia. And from there, um, I met some international comics, some from Jamaica, Canada, and now the Canadian is like, I got to bring you to Canada. Wow. The Jamaican was like, I got to bring to Jamaica. So I've done all these countries through comedians putting each other on. Mm -hmm. And so that's the community that I know. Okay. And is that pretty much how it's set up? It's who you know. You, you have to be connected. You have to. And, you know, the way we connect is through shows. Mm -hmm. The guy that I'm touring with right now, who's my feature, he had one of the hottest shows in Dallas called We Got Next. That's how I met Rudy Rush. So he put me on that show. I met Rudy Rush. And then, you know, the, the cars just fell in place. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I'm working with him. So it's it's not no managers. It's not no agents. No. At that time when you're in the trenches, it's the comedians that help each other. Yes. For sure. And this has happened over and over again. Like, yeah, the Steve Harvey's put on the Ricky Smiley's, you know, the Damon Williams, you know, all these guys. They've worked together. Mm -hmm. You know, and put each other on. And that's probably why it was such a shock to hear Cat Williams say the things that he said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's dealt. There's been some negativity, too, now. I mean, for sure, for sure. Everybody has gone through that. So some of the things he expressed were true. You know, I just have not um, experienced it to that extent. Mm -hmm. Yet again, I guess the bigger you go and become, you know, the more bullshit you're going to deal with as well. Yes, and that's mm. with, with every industry. That's what they're right. <laughs> the higher you go, I guess, the more bullshit. But it's exactly. all about how you respond to it. That's it. Wow. That's it. Okay. So let's talk about this. Um, what does your audience look like? Can you perform in any room? 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I pride myself that uh, my audience is very diverse mm-hmm. because my my material is very universal, I think. You know, anybody can relate to it. I, I talk about my experiences, of course, as an African coming from Africa to to the States, you know, you know what I've observed, you know, some of the things that I've gone through um, in relationships, in day-to-day living. So... I love the fact that I can have, uh, you know, of course, my, my, my black people in the audience, mm-hmm. you know, the white demographic, the Mexican, the anybody, you know, so and, and they can relate. So that's what I like. I, I have a definite diverse audience. Do you have to tailor your your work to the audience? No. No, because no. it's so universal. Yeah, I don't change. So, you know, I, I've been asked this question, like, what happens when you go to Canada, you know, mm-hmm. or when you go to, 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 to London? Jamaica. You know, Jamaica, yeah. I'm me. I'm not going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, and they love it. Standing ovations over there, too. Yeah. You know, so. Okay, you know what you're doing, yeah. Alfred. Yeah, and I'm trying. Yes, you're <laughs> up in this thing now, 18 years in the game. And what does your schedule look like? I'm busy. Okay. I'm working, yeah. So comedy, I mean the comedy circuit, right? So which means comedy circuit is if you're in a comedy club, you're working from either Thursday all the way through Sunday. You know, you're doing uh, two shows per night, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and then, you know, I'm kind of free during the week, Monday through Thursday. When, Monday when, through Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. What they look like on Monday through Thursday? Uh, I'm, Wednesday a, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I'm a single dad uh, okay. of a... Uh, Six, five year old. So, you know, she does live with her mother, but we co-parents. So mm-hmm. I got to make sure that, you know, I spend time with my daughter, taking her to school, mm-hmm. you know, all that good stuff. I, I'm a father, you yes. know, first and foremost. So um, I have to make sure that I balance that out. Yes, you, know? you definitely do. Yeah, single dad. How yeah. does single dad life? Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm focused on... Um, I'm focused on my work. You know, I got a special someone, but I'm focused on my work and okay. I'm doing my thing. Yeah, but I got a special someone for sure. That's good. That's yeah. good. Now, I hear you've been doing some podcasting. Yeah. Where's the podcast? <laughs> we used to have a podcast. I used to have a podcast called um, uh, Funny From A to Z, which is my brand of comedy. I like that, Funny, Funny From, from A, a to Z. Z. I love yeah. that name. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I gotta get back into it. You know, mm-hmm. I love these these uh, podcast interviews, and every time I do one, like I haven't done one in a while. I think this this is my first one in 2024, and I'm like, damn, this is cool. Yes, it is. It you right get to now. talk to some amazing people, and I, I think you would really do well solo dolo though. Solo, I, I've been thinking about that. Mm-hmm. See, you encouraging me. But how I does that so. work when you're doing it solo? You just kind of put a script together. And you just can talk? you can put a script together. You really need to map out what you're going to talk about. But I think the beauty of it with a comedian, you guys tell so many stories. Yeah. It should be really easy for you. It's yeah. just like you're in front of the crowd. Not sure if you want it to be a funny podcast, but it's more of the storytelling. But yeah. you guys are storytellers yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Comedians. I don't necessarily want it to be funny. Uh, I want it to be, you know, like you said, uh, storytelling mm-hmm. and just to captivate the audience, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can hear, you know, what I have to say on that particular day. And you know what? People that look like us are like the lowest percentage in that genre, in that storytelling genre and podcasting. So there's plenty of opportunity, Alfred. Wow. So I look forward to hearing that podcast very soon, Alfred. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We are going to do it. And 
And then when you come to Dallas, you'll be my first guest. Yes, I have so many friends from Dallas because I, I think I told you I'm originally from Beaumont, Texas, mm-hmm. and so many of my good friends moved to Dallas. I have probably a good 10 friends that live there. And like wow. when I was growing up uh, in college and Right after I graduated college, I would go there like maybe three times a year to hang out. Okay. But I haven't been doing that lately because life been life. Yeah. But they've been yeah. on my ass about coming out there. You got to. You got to come back I'm gonna home. I'm going to hit you up, Alfred. I'm definitely going to hit you up. So this is what I want to know. <laughs> I want you to tell the verbally effective audience, what's next for Alfred Kain? My goodness. A Netflix special. We are working on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's definitely uh, something that uh, is on the vision board. A special would be incredible. And yeah, we're trying to put that together as we speak. That way it will create more awareness. You know, I just want people to know who I am and what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully they they like my uh, style of comedy and my material to where they're like, okay, I want to see this guy in person. That's, yes. that's, all, that's all I'm asking for, you know. Yes. And I'm so truly grateful so far for everything that has happened because when I came to this country, I had no, I had no fan base. Nobody knew who I was. But I love... That that the American people, if if you're good, they will rock with you, man. Yes, they will support you, and that's what I love. You know, it's like there's no bias there. It's like, dude, he's really funny. Let's mm-hmm. let you know the, the 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 dudes in Cleveland. They're like, nigga, I fucks with you. <laughs> I fucks with you. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and in Memphis, they're like, fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. That is so true. Yeah. Alfred. So it's it's been so dope. So yeah, I'm looking for the journey forward to the journey and just um you know doing bigger venues doing more tv work doing more mm-hmm. film and so you've um, been doing some tv work yes yes so i just we did a movie i, I was in a movie called the disconnection notice mm-hmm. and this movie had a star-studded movie mm-hmm. miss pat is in the movie rodney perry uh just niche uh some of the you know, great up and coming comics right now who are like right there, you know. Um, so, yeah, this guy, he put us all in the movie. There's a dude named Ambrose Jones from Memphis. Mm, comedian. That name he, sounds familiar. Yeah, Ambrose yes. Jones. He, he did an NBC last comic standing mm-hmm. one time and he's in that movie too. So, these are all guys that, you know, 10 years from now, you'll be like, I know this dude. I know this mm-hmm. dude, but we're in this movie. It was a bootleg movie now. Mm-hmm. We got. Oh, yeah, straight up Tubi. You know, we, uh, we, we got paid in DVD. They say, okay. yeah, go ahead and sell sell these copies. Whatever you sell, you keep. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, and my part was terrible. What did you play in the movie? Oh, I played an African storekeeper, and I was just horrible. I was so nervous. You were and, nervous? Yeah. What, what made it so nervous? It, it, because the way they wanted me to, to act, it felt mm. like they wanted me to be like that typical, mm-hmm. you know, West African, you know, and that's not who I am. I'm from the South, but that's what they wanted, you know. Know, they wanted that thick African accent that was like I was like oh man you know my my people gonna be mad as hell when they Ooh, see this we, shit we, like, we do not talk like, like that, that. <laughs> oh wow yeah but um, it was it was good so I want to do more I want to do more of that yeah and mm-hmm. you know what I've been seeing Netflix promote so many diverse comedians yeah and and it's people that I've never heard of so I'm like it's definitely a possibility for sure for you to get on for there. sure oh trust me it's coming you got to that that agency you got that new agency it's to go coming. hook it up yes it's coming any advice for up and coming comedians Ooh, just two words don't quit mm-hmm. that's what I can tell them don't quit believe in yourself keep going 
And no matter how hard it feels like it's getting, don't quit. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get better. Right. And it sounds so simple. It sounds so yeah. simple because, you know, it, it can be very hard. You, I remember you said your first five years, you know. It was um, a grind. It was a grind. But you got to go through that part. That's it. It's not instant gratification around No, here. no, it's really not. It's a journey. It's really a journey. Because, you know, year six, year seven, I was like, man, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know. But. Got to get over that hump. Just get over that hump. Yeah. Yes. Don't quit. Okay, mm-hmm. I got you. Now, how can everyone follow your journey, Alfred? I am on all social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and TikTok, and they're all the same. So it's at Alfred Kainga, A-L-F-R-E-D-K-A-I-N-G-A. I'm also on uh, PlentyOfFish.com. Farmersmeat.com. <laughs> Christian Mingle Alfred Kainga (laughs) The same thing Wow Well thank you so much Alfred For joining me today On the Verbally Effective Podcast You have indeed Been verbally effective And I appreciate Your transparency and you know your love for comedy i I see it i can feel it yeah you know that energy is here and i wish you nothing but the best thank you i'm gonna continue to follow your journey thank you i'm gonna hit you up when i come to dallas yes be like alfred where we eating it we got a big house to stay too so you'll be good oh yeah i know you stay on the rich side of dallas in the d-town stop it thank you once again alfred kainga comedian extraordinaire you better tap in to what my good friend Alfred has going. Follow him on, on all social media platforms. Alfred Kainga. He's going to be up next. I can feel it. And thank you all for listening yet again to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow. Make sure you hit that subscribe on all Verbally Effective platforms and that Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. Thank you so much. 